Hello, movie peoples. This is Lizard. And this is Panda. And this is the next episode of Lizard and Panda Take on Cinema. Woo! Woo! What movie news do you have for us, Panda? Alright, let's see what I get. Um, I'm trying to sift through all the screenshots that I have. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, so did you hear that Andrew Garfield dropped out of the project? What project? Frankenstein. <gasps> no! Why? Uh, let's see. Says the Spider-Man actor was reportedly forced to part ways with the movie due to a strike-related scheduling conflict. God damn it. Well, that makes me sad. Yeah. But, um, who's taking that role now is Jacob Elordi, who's in Saltburn. Which I keep being yelled at by my coworkers, and I need to watch that movie. I keep on being yelled at by social media to watch it. I I know I need to watch it. Maybe I'll watch that sometime this week. It depends with my schedule. And I think it's on Prime. It is on Prime with subscription, so I can I can watch it. I just got to figure out life and shit and work and uh, it's a busy time. What? Yes. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, apparently, Mia Goth is being sued for allegedly kicking a background actor in the head on the set of Maxine. Oh, Jesus. Says she allegedly taunted, mocked, and belittled him, daring him to do anything about it. Oh, I really hope that there's a backstory. I really hope so. Like, I hope that he was, like, trying to, like, grope her or something like that. Not that I want people mm-hmm. to be groped, but like, I like her and I don't want to not like her. <laughs> like, come uh, on, people. Let's see really I'm... hope that's not true. Or he gave a really good reason, because there are a few people I'd like to kick in the head. Sure. Um, the Mandalorian Season 4 was um, re-evaluated by Lucasfilm during the strike, and they actually ended up deciding to make it a movie instead. Okay. Yeah. I still have not watched the most recent season. Because I think I told you, I think I even mentioned on this podcast, like, once I was, because I was sitting there like, wait a minute, the last time we saw the Mandalorian, he didn't have Grogu. Like, Grogu was taken by Luke Skywalker. Why does he all of a sudden have that in you? Which I'm just like, this this is where it gets annoying, where I'm just like, you're really making us watch other things to fully grasp what's going on. Like, that's... Dude, come on. I'm sorry. I tried to watch Boba Fett, and it was hard. It was so hard. It, it really was. I didn't and even finish it. You see my shred the font. The, the, my shred. Your my, shred. <laughs> my shrine to Fett. Yes! Like, because uh, I keep being told it's not good until, like, the last episode. And I'm like, what? The Mandalorian part's incredible. They they saved that, that show, hands down. There's a cool moment at the ending. On the last episode. Other than that, it wasn't really... Eh. Alright, well, we'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, let's see what else. Oh. Um, Eldon Henson and Deborah Ann Wall are going to return as Foggy and Karen for Daredevil Born Again. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can get behind that. Yes. 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 Oh, right, right, yes. Now yes. I remember. Yes. Um, okay, before I get to this, I'm going to talk about what we saw in that video. Yes. 
Um, obviously, there's still drama going on with Scream Seven. Yep. At this point, just just stop it. Just, yeah. Just, just cut the movie. Yep. You done lost your two main leads that everyone loved. Yes. You done lost your director. Yup. You also didn't have the support of your leading actress of the franchise. Yep. Just, just stop. <laughs> it's like, just at, stop. at this point, get help. People are already pissed about the whole situation. Like, you dug your own grave and you just keep on digging, don't yep. you? Like, just, yeah, at this point, just kind of let it go. Maybe kind of go back to the drawing table and really, like, think. Maybe go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And then kind of maybe in the future come back to it. But right now, nah, bro. And, um, what else was it? They were talking about the, uh, live action Minecraft movie. Lots of live actions, actually. Minecraft being one of them. Yes. And apparently, because the director was worried about a repeat of the whole, like, Sonic the Hedgehog situation. When the Ugly Sonic. The Ugly Sonic that we all, as a whole, bullied the makers and creators to, to, fix. to fix it. And it worked. <laughs> so. And honestly, I love those movies. Yeah, no, I, well, I have yet to actually watch the second one, but I really like the first one a lot. And... Like, like I've said before, when, like, the movies first came out, like, you have the Sonic movies, and you have Detective Pikachu. Yes. The Sonic movies together, as a duo, are as good as Detective Pikachu, in my eyes. Okay. That's fair. And they also said that the set designer for the Minecraft movies, or the Minecraft live-action live movie, is going to be the same set designer as Lord of the Rings. Yes. Which I'm like, Okay. Okay, I can, I mean, granted, I've never been a Minecraft person. I can see the hype, and my stepson loves it, but I'm I, I never really got into it. That was basically came out when I was like kind of falling back from video games. Yeah. So, but I can definitely see the hype, and I'm curious. Maybe this is something Alex and I can see together if his pop up doesn't beat me to it. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else was it? I want to go to the Danny panel, but I thought there was something else. As I'm making wing motions with my arm, my one arm, because my other arm is being occupied by the microphone. Flying. <laughs> I'm trying. Hold on, hold on. Five words. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Gun. Fight. Wizard. I'm really Whip. bad at charades. Whip. <laughs> Fire. Fire. Fire flying. Firebird. Phoenix. <laughs> Yeah, how come you don't have any of these creatures in your room? Firebird. Bird. 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 I wish you had this on video. Oh my god. It's like you're so close. (laughs) 
Dragon? Yes. Oh, how to train a dragon. <laughs> I'm like flying bird. <laughs> oh my god, I wish we had that on video. That would have been amazing. Yes, that one. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you could have just pointed at the dragon ball and say that, but without the ball. Oh, well, I guess I could have done that. Oh, well. I yeah. But yes, a live action how to train your dragon is also another one that we're getting. A lot of live actions, apparently, right now. Yes. Which, I mean, I, you and I were just saying when we were watching the video that we both need to rewatch How to Train Your Dragon because that trilogy is absolutely amazing. And we both agreed that it took both of us way too long to actually watch it originally. But really anything of something that I love being coming live action worries me because we all know it's a very hit or miss. And we all know a lot of people's complaints right now about all the live actions. So, I mean, I'm going to see it, but we'll see. I mean, they already... I think we even mentioned a while ago about Moana becoming live action. Yeah. With The Rock coming back as Maui. At this point, if it doesn't involve a straw hat, I don't have really too much hopes for the live action. Yeah, I... Like, there were some that I really enjoyed. Like, I like Maleficent, Beauty and the Beast. Um, I heard Cinderella was good, but I still have yet to see that one. Same. Um, Jungle Book was not too bad. Yeah, they might The Little Mermaid, I... I enjoyed that one. It had its flaws, but yeah, like it has its flaws, but like her voice though. Oh my God, angel. But then, you know, you got the Lion King, you got, although Aladdin was also pretty good. I enjoyed that one. Um, what else? Yeah. I feel like they don't really give, uh, Will Smith too much credit for that. No. Because too busy just trying to compare him to Robin Williams. Right. Instead of seeing it as his own role. And like he legit at first, said absolutely not when they originally came up to him. He's like, I'm not following that. Like, mm-hmm. that's Robin Williams. He is the great Robin Williams. But then he came back and he was just like, all right, I'll do it. And I'll honor him, but also make it my own kind of a situation. Yeah. And I personally thought it was really good. But yeah, when it comes to live actions, it's very, uh, I mean, and a lot of people did not like the Beauty and the Beast live action, which I don't agree with them because I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I will say the only thing I do agree with is more so on the um, too much tuning on um, Emma Watson's voice. Yes. No, I agree. Like one of those situations where she's definitely not a professional singer, but also she is Belle. Yeah. That's where it's like, it's hard because she is literally Belle, like through and through. And this is a person where Belle was my favorite Disney princess for the longest time, probably at the end of the day. So it's like until, although when Merida came into the picture, that's like, oh crap, no, I love Merida too. It's like, I will shoot for my own hand. I'm like, yes, you go girl. I like Eugene Fitzgerald. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's definitely fair. <laughs> I feel the most kinship to him. Yes. And Quasimodo. Uh, Yes. Oh, Quasimodo. Yeah. But, yes, live-action Danny Phantom. Mm-hmm. That one I'm very worried about. <laughs> Only because I was obsessed with that show. Obsessed. I want Literally, my first dog that we ever got, his name was Danny Phantom. Like, first name Danny, middle name Phantom, last name Burgess. Like, that mm-hmm. threw it up because I was obsessed with that show. Still am. I have the entire series on DVD because I had to get it. And I can still, to this day, sing the entire theme song. That's fair enough. I just, I love that show. 
And also, we were just talking about this earlier. You know, all of us, I think we all can admit at this point that a lot of us were attracted to characters that were cartoons. Yes. Like, I thought I was weird when I was a child and then I became older and I kept seeing, like, posts on Facebook or on TikTok of people saying, like, I found this cartoon character oddly attractive and I thought it was weird. But now I found out that other people also were attracted to them and now I don't feel as bad. And I'm like, yes. Lola Bunny. Lola Bunny, yes. Amongst others. Amongst many others. But many yeah. others. Yeah, because I remember at least, like, Danny Phantom, I was just like, oh, yeah, he's a cool, like, he turns to a ghost. But then future Danny Phantom, I was like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello, sir. Yes, you can uh, possess, possess me any day that you want. And then also Sam. And then it got us down the rabbit hole of, like, all of the goth girls in yeah. our cartoon worlds that we were just like, yes, absolutely. And uh, let's see where my my taste get from. Mm-hmm. Where, where my taste get from. Yeah, yeah. I, I got what you yeah, mean. Yeah. Where I get my taste from. Yeah, I don't exactly. know what <laughs> My words are dyslexic right now. It's, it's fine. It's snowing outside. Hopefully I can get home without crashing the car. Uh, but yeah, the Danny Phantom, I told you that I'll probably end up watching it and if I really don't like it, like, I'll probably end, it'll probably end up making me want to watch the show again. Yes. But depending on how the live action is, it sh- will be showing how fast I go back to the cartoon show. Because if I go, like, super fast, or I'm like, I need to immediately, like, cleanse my palate and watch the show, then it's not that great. But we'll see. Like... I'd say not not give it as much as that as that same care that they're doing with the um, the live action Avatar Last Airbender. Right. Just something along those lines would be good. Did that come out yet? February. Okay. Whew. I was like, that didn't come out yet, did it? No, <laughs> okay. Okay. So Hopefully, I'll remember to watch it. Now to what I hear. Yes. So I has for the first thing. The um, full list of winners for the Critics', Critics Choice Awards goes on the 14th. Yes. Yes. So, we has, um winner for Best Picture, Oppenheimer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Best Actor, motherfucker, Paul Giamatti. Uh, I, I haven't seen the movie that he was in. It's... The holdovers. Oh, oh, yeah. I yeah. It's on. It's also on Prime. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that movie, and I kept forgetting. My bad. But still, it's Paul Giamatti. Yeah, exactly. But also, Jeffrey Wright was in that list too. You mean for the movie that I've been wanting to watch for a while now, and yet can't find it anywhere. American fiction? Yes. Mm-hmm. I keep looking on AMC and it keeps saying, because you go on IMDb, it says, and online it says that it's released. I go on to AMC theaters and it's like, sorry, there's no Showtime's listed in your area. And I'm like, I just want to see the movie. <laughs> what the fuck? When can I see it? Uh, best actress? You might be happy for this. Margot Robbie? No, actually. Oh, what's her name? She was in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. No. No, not not from Barbie. Okay, anybody from Barbie? No, it's not not from Barbie. It's from a different movie that you got to see. Oh, um, 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 um Emma Stone. Yes. Yes. Oh, she was great in that movie. Poor things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, best supporting actor, winner for Oppenheimer, R. D. J. Okay. Yeah. 
Not uh, not not um Ryan Gosling for Ken. Nope. Man. Lame. <laughs> uh Best Supporting Actress winner is Divine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers. Okay. Best Young Actor slash Actress was Dominic Cesa for The Holdovers. Okay. Looks like they're sweeping. Lot, yeah, a lot for The Holdovers. Best Acting Ensemble, Oppenheimer, which I, that's kind of obvious with that fucking cast. Yeah, yeah. Again, same thing. Best Director, Christopher Nolan. For Oppenheimer. Yeah. Wow, Barbie is not getting any love. No, oh, no, they actually got snubbed. Oh, did they? Yeah, they didn't win nothing. Oh, my God. Because you said it was the Critics' Choice Awards, yeah. right? Yeah, that explains so much. <laughs> Which also leads to Oscars, because they're pretty much the same people. Which, that's going to piss off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Like, the whole, like, Golden Globes. Have yeah. you seen any of those videos? Oh, no. Yeah, like, a lot of it, like, is people making fun of women... And people are clipping it, like, you know, then making fun of women because of Barbie, and then clipping it with the whole montage, like, montage of, like, all the, you have to, to, to be a woman, you have to be this, but you can't be this, but you have to be this, but you can't be this. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, wow, how fitting. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> uh, best adapted screenplay uh, was Cord Jefferson for uh, American Fiction. Still mad. Still mad. <laughs> Best Original Screenplay. Oh, okay. They got one. They got one. Winner. Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach for Barbie. Jesus Christ. They got one. They got one. Uh, Best Cinematography. Hoyt Van Hoytema. Yes. For Oppenheimer. Yep. Best Production Design. Oh, they got two. Oh, okay. Okay. Production design. I mean, it was amazing, but yeah. just like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, Sarah Greenwood, Katie Spencer for Barbie. Uh, best editing, Jennifer Lane, Oppenheimer. She probably got bullied with that last name. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Best costume design. Oh, they got another <laughs> one. <laughs> for costume design, of course. Uh, Jacqueline Duran. Oh, they got they got all the superficial stuff. That's why. Yes, of course. Okay, best hair and makeup was Barbie. It all pieces together. It's amazing how that happens when you have a bunch of old white men deciding shit. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, best visual effects winner Oppenheimer. I'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> best... Don't get me wrong. I loved Oppenheimer. Like it was really good, mm-hmm. but. I feel like also, like, the Sigma male movement took, like, a hold of that movie for no fucking reason. Yeah. Well, and also, like, okay, I think, from what I remember, like, because that was the whole thing that weekend, was that Barbie and Oppenheimer were coming out the same weekend. Yeah, it was a uh, Barbieheimer. Yeah, and Barbie, like, completely just swept him off the table. Like, you know, it's still, Oppenheimer still did amazing, but, Mm -hmm. like, Barbie... I, Mom and I went to go see that in theaters, and the amount of girls that were dressed up as different, like, Barbies, insane. Absolutely amazing, but insane. Because it's, like, it's a cultural movement. That's it why. Is. It's not 
just a, a chicks movie. It's a fucking, like, it's legitimately a cultural touchstone. And at the end of the day, it wasn't actually, like, saying bad things about men. No. Especially the, the ending. Yeah, and you saw it. The people making the argument, like, like talking shit about the movie. I'm like, did we watch the same movie? Because I saw the same shit, too. Because here is a man and our friend Rob, <clears throat> also a man, both said, like, we understood it. Like, we yeah. got the point that was coming across. At the end of the day, it's like, we need to be equal kind of a situation. Not yeah. women are better than men. But whatever. I, I'd say more so, like, equal, but still, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like not, like, bastardize the fucking differences that we have, but praise them. Exactly. Yeah. Which I am still waiting on your I am Knuff hoodie. Like, there's some shit that I can do that you can't do and vice versa. Yep. Instead of fucking arguing about who can do what, fucking help each other out. Exactly. Shit. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Uh, Best comedy, Barbie. Okay. Which. It was hilarious. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Best animated film. Mm-hmm. Twig, twig. Spider-Man? Yes. Yes! I need to watch that movie again. But Jesus also, Christ. fucking Mutant Mayhem was on there, too. And I Ooh. really fucking love that movie. That one was also good. Like, but I was... I had my doubts with that movie. I had my doubts. I think I had a sliver of doubt, but... I just love how New York it felt. Yeah. It felt so... Like, I felt like I was back in, in, in like, my street. That's fair. I, I definitely enjoyed... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a lot, but honestly, Spider-Man, really, ooh, that was my number one for the longest time until I saw four things. I was like, oh, man, okay, (laughs) yep. Uh, Best foreign language film, Anatomy of a Fall. Okay, sure. Best song. Please, please tell me I'm just Ken. Please. Oh, thank God. Yes. <laughs> because seriously, that song was perfection. I think it's also nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. But also Peaches was on there. Ooh, Peaches was also good. Mm-hmm. Peaches, 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 Peaches. peaches, peaches. Uh, best score. Okay, okay. Uh, Ludwig uh, Goransson. Goransson. Um, Oppenheimer. Okay. Makes sense. And then we go into our television parts. Best drama series? Succession. Succession was the one that won a lot. Gotcha. Um, Best actor in a drama series was uh, Kieran Culkin. So way to go for him. Macaulay Culkin's brother. Oh, yes, he has. Sorry, I was uh, just like... Which I didn't realize how many of them there were until Brian showed me. I was like, holy shit, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of kids. Uh, But Succession. Uh, best actress in a drama series was Sarah Snook in Succession. Uh, best supporting actor in a drama series was uh, Billy Kudrup, The Morning Show. Uh, best supporting actress in a drama series was Elizabeth Debicki for The Crown. Uh, best comedy series was The Bear, which I've been hearing a lot of things about. Uh-huh. Uh, best actor in a comedy series was uh, Jeremy Allen White in The Bear. Best actress in a comedy series was I, Ayo Edebiri in The Bear. 
uh, Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Evan Moss, uh, Backrack, Backrack, the bear. There's a lot of bear. I can see that or mm. hear that. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress in the Comedy Series was actually Meryl Streep in the only, uh, only Murders in the Building. Best Limited Series was Beef. Best Movie Made for Television was Quiz Lady. I have no idea. Uh, Best Actor in a Limited Series or Movie Made for Television, Stephen Young, for Beef. I started watching that show with my mom, and then I think we got distracted by something else. But her and I, we're probably going to need to restart that one. Because what we saw, it was really good. Mm -hmm. Because Best Actress for a Limited Series or Movie Made for Television is Ali Wong in Beef. Beef. Uh, Best Supporting Actor in a Limited Series or Movie Made for Television, Jonathan Bailey for Fellow Travelers. Uh, Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie Made for Television was Maria Bello for Beef. Best Foreign Language Series was Lupin. Best Animated Series. Oh, hell yeah. Scott Pilgrim Takes All. Nice. Uh, Best Talk Show. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And then finally, Best Comedy Special was John Mulaney, Baby J. I have really not heard any of these shows. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'm very far behind when it comes to shows. I've said that before, and I am sorry. Yes. All right, we got lots of movie news for you. So here we go on the next bit. Yes, yeah, so I have the list of nominees for the um, SAG Awards. Yes. For this year. So we have Best Movie Cast, uh, Barbie, Oppenheimer, American Fiction, Color Purple, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay, that's a... Uh... That's a that's a that's a list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a rough list right there. <coughs> uh, sorry, it's choking on some <laughs> Uh Best male actor in a leading role: Bradley Cooper in Maestro, Coleman Domingo. Yeah, that's what Domingo. Yeah, uh, in Rustin. Sure. You can't see this far. <laughs> You're getting old. Oh. Uh, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Cillian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Still mad. I just mm-hmm. want to see that movie so bad, Panda. It looks so good. Uh, best female actor in a leading role. Annette Benning? Yes. Yes. And Nyad? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, Lily Gladstone in oh. Killers of the Flower Moon. Love her. Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, Margot Robbie. <coughs> yeah. She takes my breath away. Yes, yeah, she does. Really? <laughs> I mean, have you looked at her? <laughs> uh, for Barbie. Uh, and Emma Stone for Poor Things, which I still want to see. So good. You will love it. I'm telling you. You will. All right. You want to start from... Uh... Yes. So, best male actor in a supporting role, we have Sterling K. Brown in American Fiction. Every time I see that <laughs> title, I'm gonna get so mad. <sighs> Willem Dafoe in Poor Things. Yes, love it. Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. Also did fantastic. Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer, and Ryan Gosling in Barbie. Because I'm just Ken, and I'm no. <laughs> Seriously, I, that hoodie—it's coming. It's coming. Uh, whoops. Best 
excuse me, best female actor in a supporting role, Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple, Penelope Cruz in Ferrari, Jodie Foster in Nyad, and Devine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers. And then for television, we got Best Ensemble in a Drama Series, The Crown, The Gilded Age, The Last of Us, love The Last of Us, The Morning Show, and Succession. Best Ensemble in a Comedy Series, we got Abbott Elementary and Barry. But Barry, and then The Bear, Only Murders in the Building, and Ted Lasso. My parents love Ted Lasso. They watch it all the time. Still haven't seen it. Like, most anytime it's on and I'm downstairs, I'm usually have my earphones in and I'm reading a book. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie to you. But it looks like okay from what I've seen. Uh, best male actor in a television movie or limited series. Matt Bomer in Fellow Travelers. John Hamm in Fargo. David Oilowo in Lawman. Best Reeves. Bass Reeves. Uh, Tony Shalhoub in Mr. Monk's Last Case, a Monk movie, and Stephen Yoon in Beef. All right. Uh, let's see. Best female actor in a television movie or limited series: uh, Uzo Udaba, Painkiller, Catherine Hahn, uh, The Tiny Beautiful Things, Brie Larson, Lessons in Chemistry, huh. uh, Belle Powley, A Small Light, and Ali Wong in Beef. Best male actor in a drama series. You got, you got Brian Cox. Oh, shit. In Succession. Billy Kudrup in The Morning Show. Kieran Cullen in Succession. Matthew McFadden. Right? Yes. Yes. In Succession. And Pedro Pascal in The Last of Us. I need to watch that again. It was so good. Best female actor in a drama series. Jennifer Aniston in The Morning Show. Elizabeth Debicki in The Crown. Bella Ramsey in The Last of Us, Carrie Russell, The Diplomat, and Sarah Snook in Succession. Best Male Actor in a Comedy Series, Brett Goldstein, Ted Lasso, Bill Hader, Barry, Ivan Moss, Backrack, The Bear, Jason Sudeikis, and Ted Lasso, uh, and Jeremy Allen White in The Bear. Best female actor in a comedy series. Shut up, low battery. <laughs> Alex Bornstein and the Marvelous Miss Maisel, which I thought that show already ended. Oh yeah, that was another one that my mom really liked. I don't know. Uh, Rachel Brosnan and the Marvelous Miss Maisel. Quinta Brunson in Abbott Elementary. Uh, <laughs> Ayo Edebiri, right? Edebiri looks like. And the Bear. And Hannah Waddingham. Yep. And Ted Lasso. Oh, God, there's more. Wow, yes. this is a long list. <laughs> yes, it is. Stunts. Outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble in a television series, Ahsoka, Barry, Beef, Last of Us, and The Mandalorian. Give it to Ahsoka. <laughs> but also Last of Us. Yeah, that one was good. Outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble in a motion picture. Barbie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Indiana Jones and Dial Destiny, John Wick Chapter 4, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's most likely going to go to Mission Impossible. Most likely. <clears throat> I would not be surprised. I did not see it, but 
And, oh, that's the last of Oh, that's, yeah, that, that's okay, it. cool. That's the last of us, people. <laughs> Not the show. Not the show, no. That's all I have. Okay, cool. All right, and for movies that I have seen, um, I'm going to start off with what I saw. Like, I think this might have been actually the last movie for me of 2023, and that was The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. I saw that in theaters with my best friend, Kirsten, who I've known since the womb. I've known her my entire life, pretty much. And we both went and saw it together when she was home for the holidays, and I absolutely loved it. The songs were great. The choreography, absolutely stunning. Like, I loved all the dance moves, and, you know, it's the jazz feel, and it's just beautiful. Mm. All the voices, wonderful, especially, like, Fantasia. Like, she... Ah. And Kirsten and I were both crying. Uh, as we're watching it, of course, I just kind of turn and look at her and be like, seriously, this theater needs to do something with the dust because Mm -hmm. this is ridiculous. And she just laughed at that. But, uh, yeah, I personally really loved it. Um, it's definitely a different vibe compared to the original movie, but more so because the fact one is a musical and two, they focused more on like the lesbian lovers that Mm. is in the book that Steven Spielberg pulled out of the original movie. And I did, when I went to the bookstore over the weekend, I did get the color purple while I was there because I have not, I remembered, I have not actually read the book, but I've always wanted to, so I now have it so I can read it and let you know how that is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed that one. I'm just going to get this one out of the way. Um, for one of the first movies, or the first movie of 2024 that I saw in theaters, Night Swim. How was that? Oh, I uh, wait till it gets on streaming. Like I, at the most, maybe pay three bucks. But I would just eventually it'll make its way to being free on streaming, and I would just no offense to everybody involved. Like I'm sure you worked hard. If you like it, great. But me personally, I was not really blown away. Like the concept was interesting. One of my because I was concerned, I think I mentioned this before, I was concerned that it was a PG-13 horror movie coming out in January. Now, don't get me wrong. PG-13 horror movies, in the past, they were good. Nowadays, they're not so yeah. great, because they definitely toned a lot of stuff down. Um, but I'm trying to remember, okay, Megan was a PG-13 horror movie that also came out in January, and that one was great. This one, however, it had a great idea but the execution was just eh, not that great um and the writing was very cheesy uh, that the actors all did the best that they could with what they had no fault to them whatsoever um and also i learned that the dad in the movie night swim is kurt russell's son which you and I talked about last week, mm-hmm. that... Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell, yes. I never knew his name. I just knew him as douchebag Captain America from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Because he did a phenomenal job there because I was sold. I mm-hmm. hated him so much. <laughs> I was just like, you're just fucking douchebag. But now that I know that he's Kurt Russell's son, as I was watching Night Swim, I was like, I can no longer unsee or unhear Kurt Russell <laughs> because they are definitely related. I'm like 100%. Through and through. Definitely. But, yeah. Like I said, the movie itself... Meh. Meh. Not too great. Um, I was worried about the fact of it feeling too congested just because of the fact that it's a haunted swimming pool. I was just like, what are they going to do with this? And what they did with that aspect? Okay. 
that one was a cool concept, like what you did there, basically like water demon, because the water from the pool comes from the lake, mm-hmm. pretty much, like it's connected that way. But other than that... So yeah. demons in the lake, not in the pool, he's just coming through the pool. Exactly, like through the water, like through the pipes kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing I did like, though, is that they really didn't show the creature too much. Like you saw in like blips here and there, but other than that, they re- did a good job of not really just having you, like, look dead center mm-hmm. at the creature. Because you know how that happens, where you yeah. see it and it kind of just takes away. Like, the scarier part is not being able to see what it looks like, because mm-hmm. it's your imagination really pulling the strings in your brain. So I was happy about that, that they did show the creature here and there, but it was very kind of, like, quick, like, blurps kind of a situation. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then the last one I have which technically came out in 2023 because it was a limited release in theaters, but it released publicly on Netflix on January 4th. So I am counting it as a 2024 movie. And I was like, we are starting the year off strong with this society of the snow. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. So we have all heard about it. We've all talked about it. The group of Uruguay rugby team, that was on a plane that crashed in the Andes and they were all stuck in the freezing cold mountain, which I would say absolutely fucking not kill me immediately because no. And they have to end up eating each other's corpses because they die of natural causes. Cause they're in freezing cold snow. They just were in a plane crash. Not all of them are going to make it. So what are they going to do to survive? Because it's the Andes. It's not like it's like, an island where you can elite hunt for fish or yeah. anything like that, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> so you're going to eat your own. Like you're going to eat your family. You're going to eat your friends. Like, all right. I could finally tell someone to eat my ass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved this movie. Now, a lot of the comments people were making on TikTok, which I meant to watch this movie and I completely forgot. A lot of people were saying stuff like, oh, so it's a remake of the movie Alive? No, thank you. I'm going to stick to Alive because it was a masterpiece. And I'm, like, sitting here, like, all right, first of all, I want to go... It's been a while since I've seen Alive. But I wouldn't call it as far as a masterpiece. It was good from what I remember, which I needed to rewatch that, and I completely forgot about that. But I wouldn't call it a masterpiece. Yeah. And also, the movie Alive was actually based... On this rugby team that crashed in the Andes Mountains and had to eat each other. Now, here's the difference. The people that that actually happened to were from Uruguay. They were Latino. And the actors in Society of the Snow also were Latino and spoke Spanish. In Alive, you had a bunch of white men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does no one see a problem with that? You know, whitewashing something that actually happened in history that happened in the 70s before we were born. And yet people our age talk about it all the time. It's constantly mentioned. That would be like, um, I don't know, making a Gandhi movie, but having Gandhi being played by... Ryan Gosling. Yes. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, that one. Or, you know, making Jesus white. But yet still from the Middle East, because that makes sense. 
Yeah, I was just kind of like, people, people, come on, people, like, and this also, like, oh my god, Society of the Snow was completely gut-wrenching. I was like, there were so many times where, like, things were happening, and I, like, had my hand in my mouth, like, oh my god! And stuff like when the plane was crashing, some, like, stuff that might actually, like, happen if a plane was crashing, because usually, from what I remember, I, like, my first thought goes to Lost, where, like, most of the time, people are on the plane, they saw things happening, and then they passed out, and you don't really see, like, the aftermath or the full during, which this one, you're, like, you had people that really did their research of, like, okay, what would most likely happen in this situation? And it's very, like, oh, God. Mm. And also, I cried. Especially at the end. I was crying. I was sobbing like a baby. I was just like, oh my god. But uh, yeah, that one was fantastic. And I was, I felt we were starting off the year strong. Mm. And so far, I really want to see The Book of Clarence. Which I've heard good things. And I've actually heard pretty good things about Mean Girls. I've heard the opposite. I've heard, like, like right now it's kind of, like, on IMDb, I think it's a 6 point something out of 10. And on Letterboxd, it's like 3 point something out of 5. So it's kind of, like, in the middle, and a lot of people are just like, you know, take it for what it's worth, but, like, I actually kind of enjoyed this for a January movie. And I'm like, all right, cool. Hmm. Okay. I can get behind this. And apparently the actress who plays Regina George completely stole the show. As per usual. Yep. I mean, that's how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. I will eventually watch both those movies. It's just with craziness of life and work and also impending doom of snowstorms. I never know when it is safe for me to go out. So... Yeah. And it's been a hot minute since we've actually had snow here, so. I actually watched something new. Ooh, yes. I finally saw Shin Godzilla. Came out in 2019. Oh, gotcha. That's why my brain was just like, what? Like, when did that come out again? Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, my God. Well, you're going to have to talk to Brian about that, obviously. Yes. <laughs> like, I hope you realize so, that. They really took it back to the roots of the original Godzilla movie, uh -huh. where it was... A horror movie. Right. But they turn him into an eldritch fucking horror creature. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to go revisit it. I I love the, the, the aspect that it's not just Godzilla running through the fucking city, you know, destroying everything. Right. No, you actually see, like, the political aspect of, like, how would a country react and respond to something like this happening? That's what I liked. Gotcha. No, that's definitely fair. Mm. Yes. But yeah, no, I really like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I need to rewatch that. It's been a hot minute. But good. Good, yeah. good, good. And now for our, our, our movie topic of the episode. Yes. We got Sleepy Hollow. Yes. Which was actually one of my favorite stories when I was a kid. Shockingly enough. Mm. A horror story. So surprised. So, both, I really wanted to watch this movie, and it's actually technically the recommendation, too. Oh, is it? Yeah. By who? Gianna. During oh. the wedding, remember? Oh, right, 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 yes, yeah, okay, there we go. Yes, it's been a hot minute since we've done a request, so there we go. Yeah. This works. <laughs> um, And then it was released November 19th in 1999, uh, directed by Tim Burton. You know. That guy, you know, he did Beetlejuice, Batman 1 and 2, Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks, Big Fish, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, Frankie Weenie. He's done so many. Um, and he's doing Beetlejuice 2. Yes. Which, like, so many people are excited and so many people are nervous. And I'm kind of, like, in the in-between. Same. I'm like, I don't know how to feel. Because Beetlejuice was one of my favorites. But it's the same director 
and with Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder still, and Jenna Ortega. So, we shall see. Uh, written by Kevin Yeager, who did um, one episode of Tales from the Crypt. And we also have Andrew Kevin uh, and Andrew Kevin Walker, who did Seven, The Wolfman, and The Killer. Cinematographer, we got Emmanuel Lebetsky, who did Reality Bites, The Cat in the Hat, A Series of Unfortunate Events. It has been a while since I've seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Revenant and Amsterdam. And then cast, we got a lot of people. I probably didn't write them all down because I probably just like, all right, enough, I'm bored, I'm done. <laughs> but we got Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane, Christina Ritchie playing Katrina Van Tassel, Miranda Richardson playing Lady Van Tassel slash Crone, Michael Gram- Gam- Gam- Michael Gam- Gambon. Yes. I'm like, Jesus. Gam, 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 Baltus Van Tassel, Casper Van Dien, who plays Brom Van Brunt. Okay. Jeffrey Jones playing Reverend Steenwick. Richard Griffiths playing Magistrate Phillips. Ian McDermott, who plays Dr. Lancaster. Do it. Yeah. Michael Goh plays Notary Hannenbrook. Christopher Walken played uh, Hessian Horseman. Wow. Wow. This watch. <laughs> uh, Mark Pickering plays Young Masbeth. Lisa Marie plays Lady Crane. Stephen Waddington plays Killian, Claire Skinner plays Beth Killian, and Christopher Lee plays Burgomeister. That was all I had for cast, because I think that got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This is too many people. Uh, Ratings, IMDb, 7.3 out of 10. Metascore, 65%. Rotten Tomatoes, 70%, with an audience score of 80%. And Letterboxd, 3.5 out of 5. Taglines, Taglines. Tagline. Heads will roll. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you did. And then for awards, it had 28 wins and 44 nominations. It did get an Oscar winner for Best Art Direction Set Direction. Production companies. Paramount Pictures, Mandalay Pictures, Scott Rudden Pictures, or Productions, American Zotrope, and Tim Burton Productions. Distributed by Paramount Pictures. Uh... Constantin Films and Summit Entertainment. Entertainment. Runtime of 106 minutes. A budget of between 70 and 100 million dollars. And box office. Box office. Box office. Box office. Box office. Uh, box office of two hundred seven point one million, and you can catch this movie on Max, uh, YouTube with a primetime subscription, Hulu with a Max subscription, no, with a premium subscription. Amazon mm-hmm. Prime is with the uh, Max subscription. Google Play, Apple TV, and Vudu for three ninety nine, and it is not available on YouTube TV. Or just go out and buy the movie. Yep, I got the DVD from my brother. I have it. I just don't know where it went. I know that I've seen it, like, when I was, like, sitting here watching movies with you. Like, I know I've seen that Sleepy Hollow logo on the side there. I'm pretty sure it's a loose disc that was in my my sleeves. Oh, yeah. Like, when we used to have those for, like, the cars with CDs and stuff. Mm -hmm. I kind of miss those days. I'm not going to lie. I still have mine. That's fair. All right. So, for the beginning of the movie, um, you know, as kind of like the introduction, you have, like, the creepy music playing, but then also, like, 
you see red liquid that appears to look like dripping blood, but it's actually wax from a candle. Yes. Because they're, what's the word? Sealing the letter with the crest of the Van Garretts? Yes. Right. I'm not going to lie, I'm probably going to keep getting the Van Garretts and the Van Tassels very confused. Mm -hmm. Granted, they're basically like... Uppity rich people one and two. Exactly, pretty much. That's just the gist of the whole thing. And they're all, they're part of the same family tree. So I'm sure technically incest was in there somewhere, but who knows at this point. Oh, most likely. Um, but yes, because after we had the really cool looking, like, ooh, is that blood? Oh no, it's candle wax. What is happening here with the letter? What does this all mean? And the hand holding and all that shit. Um, we end up getting, because they're taking that, I'm assuming taking that, like, notary letter that was sealed the man is going into the horse-drawn carriage mm -hmm. and you know it's a very dark lightning strikey kind of situation where all of a sudden his driver i guess is what they would be called yeah yeah um has his head cut off mysteriously oh and the guy who's in the cart is like trying to get out and you see that creepy looking scarecrow with the jack-o'-lantern head, mm -hmm. which I'm just like, heh, heh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Because that's the beginning of Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Sorry. Um, but I did like that scene where, because that guy ends up, spoiler alert, getting his head cut off. And you see, like, the splash of blood on the jack-o'-lantern, like, head mm -hmm. of the scarecrow. I was just like, ooh, that looks cool. But then the lightning flashing in the background. I'm like, yeah, buddy. So we're already, like, thrown into this movie about, like, what's going on. A killer thing. Chopping off people's heads. Yeah. I like how we're just thrown into the madness. <laughs> um, and then we end up going to like New York City, where Ichabod Crane, our main lead, our main actor, our main character, finds a dead body in the river. And they pull it out, and the guy who works in the prison basically says, like, oh, like, you know, get rid of the, like, bury it or do burn yeah. it or get rid of it kind of situation. Ichabod's like, we gotta, like, do an autopsy. We gotta, like, see what killed it. Like, yo, dude, if a body is found in the river, most likely it they died by drowning. Yes, if water was in the lungs, but might have died before going into the river. Yeah. But, you know, performing an autopsy, cutting open a dead body of someone who's no Sacrilegious. longer- religious. It's- they're no longer inhabiting that body. It's not moving. It's not going anywhere. That's sacrilegious, but torturing people with medieval torture devices, that's fine when they're alive. Yes, because it's for God. Exactly. That, even as a child, that moment was just like, huh? How does that make any sense? What? Okay. But, you know, people were a little bit more crazy back then. But. A little bit. A little bit. Un piquito. Un piquito. Um, but, yeah, because at this point, whoops. Because at this point, like. Crane is trying to tell them, like, you know, we need to stop resorting to all these medieval torture devices and we need to start looking at science. We need to start, yeah. like, yes, performing autopsies on these bodies to find out, like, the real murder instead of, like, torturing, like, all these people. So, Christopher Lee. My mans. My dude. That guy. Because he is one of the main names in the title, like, in the beginning, but he's only in there for, like, a minute or two, which is fine because he deserves it. He's a wonderful actor. Um, but he basically tells them, like, okay, like, I got a deal. 
set for you. Like, you should go to the town Sleepy Hollow where all these murders keep happening and find out, like, who the murderer is kind of a situation. Like, you be the detective on the case kind of a situation. Because it's your neck on the line, bud. Exactly. And also, um, because... Your time is up, pin it. <laughs> <laughs> who you calling pin it? Um, because this ended up kind of being a Hammer horror movie, which Burton loved that fact. I mean, pretty much all of us in the horror community know about Hammer horrors. Yeah. And they have a soft spot in our hearts. Um, but Burton loved the fact that he was making a Hammer horror movie, um, and shooting with Christopher Lee in England allowed him to soak up that vibe even more. And he said that Johnny Depp delivered a great ambiguity similar to the work of Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. Which I agree. Wholeheartedly, I agree. Yes. Um, But yes. Because we end up seeing Ichabod Crane being sent to Sleepy Hollow. Um, And, you know, you kind of get the vibes of, like, all, like, because at that point, that's when you get, like, all of the stars names across the screen like sleepy mm-hmm. hollow kind of a situation um and you get when you're going in like the gloom and doom like because at the very beginning when he's about to go there it's like you know the typical fall like you have the colored leaves and stuff like that but then once we kind of get into that area you get more of like that creepy vibe with like the gray bluish color mm-hmm. that you get in especially tim burton horror movies or just tim burton movies in general because it also just sets the tone of the rest of the movie so well, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but he ends up going to um, the party. You know, the fancy people know how to party. That is being thrown by Van Tassel. Uh, Dumbledore himself has thrown it. Rest in peace. <laughs> yes, may he rest in peace. Um, and we see um, our first look at Katrina, who is in like that circle of people because there were like some kids in there that were also like joining the pickety the witch she's the pickety witch who's got a kiss for the pickety witch and i guess the game i do you catch i know right if it's christina Ritchie, like done i will throw myself at you i'm gonna push the kids up <laughs> be like mine bitch but i guess the whole purpose is because she's blindfolded and like she has to try to like catch one of you and then she kisses you if she catches you kind of a cute situation but it's like that first moment where because she grabs onto ichabod and she's just like oh is this so-and-so, whatever name she said, because I don't remember. Um, and he's like, oh, no, sorry, I'm a stranger. And she's like, oh, okay, then have a kiss on account and kisses him on the cheek. And you see, what's his face? What's his name again? Pretty boy. Casper uh, Randine. Brom. 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 Yeah, let's go with Brom. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, and he's already looking like this man just walked in and she just kissed him. Like, you know, when she's playing a game, but I'm going to be angry because he's cute and shit. Uh, but you got that first look, because when she takes off the blindfold, she looks at Ichabod, and she's like, oh, hello, you're cute. Which, same girl, same. Mm-hmm. Although even, because uh, Johnny Depp at first found the idea of Richie being his love interest in the movie to be odd, seeing as how he's known her since she was nine years old. And it makes me think back on <laughs> um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. One of my oh, yeah. favorite books, and I love that movie. And she was so young back then, and he was not. Well, he was young for, like, now, but, like, compared to her age, because she was a child. I was, like, I'll watch Sleepy Hollow and be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, she's over age. Like, it's fine. But it's still, like, when you think about it that way, that's a little strange. I can understand that. A little bit. But at the same time, their chemistry was so good. 
Like, I loved their two characters being together, and they did so well together. But yes, because we're also we're already, like, kind of being thrown to the whole scenario of, like, Ichabod is here because he's trying to find out the murders. So he gets pulled into the office by all of the lords, the old men. Them old, wrinkly old men that they control everything. Yes, exactly. And they tell him the tale of the Headless Horseman, played by Christopher Walken. Wow. Because basically the whole scenario was he was sent, he was a soldier that was sent from, like, England, because it's during, like, the American Revolution time, where his job is basically just to brutally murder people. Like, he just, he's like, oh, sure, you want me to kill someone? All right, cool. I like violence. I like murdering. This is cool. Fun for me. I want that job. I know, right? With his super sharpened teeth. Impressive, might I add. And, you know, he's killing people, he's hacking off their heads, and then he ends up, his horse gets shot, which made me very sad, but I was very happy he was clearly very upset about his horse, because he was, like, you know, stroking his neck, and like, oh, my buddy. So he runs and runs into these two tiny girls, and he's like, shh. And the one just breaks the stick, like, just li- doesn't even, like, accidentally break it, she, like, lifts it up, like, right in front of her face, and she just snaps it, like, come and get them, boys! Like, the savage little girl she is. But they end up catching him and killing him and cutting off his head, throwing him into a grave, throwing his head in there, burying the grave, and then sticking a sword out of it. But I did like that look of the horse, which the black horse, his steed, uh, named Daredevil, is supposed to be dead because it was definitely shot. Yeah. Um, But he's, like, going up to, like, the top of the gravesite and just kind of, like, moving his foot like up and down yeah I thought that was really cool looking but basically you know the whole situation is that they're believing is that the horseman is back to like seek vengeance to seek vengeance like you know on all these people on the families that don't did him dirties exactly uh but i even like the line of when they're talking about like <clears throat> each of the people that were decapitated and it said like you know ichabod had said that uh you know, their heads were found decapitated, and the one guy, he's like, their heads were not found severed. Their heads were not found at all. Mm-hmm. So the killer is taking the heads for why at this moment we don't entirely know. Trophies. Like the predator. Exactly. Wow. Yes. Get Maybe to the chopper quick. To report, or to replace his own head kind of a situation. Which I also wrote down, apparently Christina Ritchie had revealed that Christopher Walken was very shy and quiet. So the other cast members had a competition on who could get him to say the most words, and Miranda Richardson won by making him answer a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that works. And then there was another one. Oh yeah, it was only after being cast as a headless horseman that Christopher Walken admitted to Burton that he actually did not know how to ride a horse. Awkward, your headless horseman does not know how to ride a horse. And also the fact that um, Johnny Depp had, he had to have a horse while he was there, so he got gunpowder. Which Johnny Depp adopted that horse after the movie was over when he realized that they were going to put the horse down. What the fuck? I know! I remember hearing, I mean, at this point, I'm sure that horse is gone, unfortunately. But I remember actually hearing about that before I was doing the notes for this movie. And I remembered being like, oh my god, Johnny Depp, I love you even more. <laughs> because, yes, what was that horse's name, too? I wrote it down. Golden Eye. 
Oh. That was the horse's name. He was such a cute horse. And then it was very obvious that Crane did not know how to ride a horse himself. And that was cute, especially since he was getting off on the right side of the horse. You're supposed to get on and off the left side of the horse, for future reference, Panda. I ain't riding a horse. <laughs> um, but yeah, at this point, we found out that the horseman killed again, and it was Jonathan Masbeth, who, when we first hear about it, it's the fourth victim. Later, we find out it's actually the fifth victim. In four boxes. Four, four graves, five bodies. Dun, dun, dun. But in this moment, because, you know, they're doing, like, their inspection of the grounds, but the, what's his face? Which one was it? Lancaster moved the body. And he's just like, you moved the body. Yes, I did. You must never move the body. Why? Because. <laughs> and he doesn't really have an answer. And it's just like, because you're disturbing the crime scene. Like, you gotta be able to see what actually happened if you don't move the body. Come on, people. It's science. It's, it's first, first grade, grade SpongeBob. <laughs> High five. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yes, because they have the funeral, and you see Masbeth's son, who is young Masbeth the entire time. And now the only Masbeth. Yes, because his dad was just murdered by the horseman, and his mom died, Um, however long it was. So... Crane takes in him as, like, his... Ward? Yeah, pretty much. And, like, his assistant kind of a situation with the whole inspection. Which I do love that kid. He's cool. Yeah. He was a cool kid through and through. Um, And he knew when to pick up the blicky to hit the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, because he ends up taking out the widow's body... After he hears that there was, you know, fifth, five victims altogether. And he pushes, kicks everybody out because he needs to do, like, his autopsy. And he does better when nobody's watching. So when they're all waiting outside for him, and when he eventually does come out, he's covered in blood. And he looks like the demon barber of Fleet Street. Yes, he does. <laughs> and he's like, the widow was with child. I liked at first, though, when they first saw him covered in blood. He was like, the guy was just like... What have you done to her? And be like, she's dead. I don't think she cares. <laughs> I know I wouldn't. I'd be like, all right, do whatever you got to do. I don't care. But at that point, we know <gasps> she was pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. That's um, when she has a stab wound in the stomach. Exactly. Someone knew she was pregnant. Um, but after that, we end up getting kind of a flashback to like, or a callback to the actual story where like Ichabod is on his horse and he's like, going over the bridge, like, in that little tunnel. Yeah. And he hears the frogs croaking, Ichabod. Ichabod. And when he turns, he sees, like, a headless horseman holding onto a fiery jack-o'-lantern. And when he tries to leave, it gets thrown at him. And he gets, like, knocked in the head from it. And, you know, we learn that it's just Brom and his people, like, you know, basically just trying to scare him off kind of a situation. His cronies. It being, it being a bunch of tools, pretty much. Yeah. But, it, again, it was a callback to the original story, which was definitely one of my favorites. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, But at that moment, we end up seeing, like, first flashbacks of Ichabod Crane's mother, like, his childhood, where she's just kind of, like, you could tell a, she was a free spirit. Like, you know, enjoyed her herbs and nature and fireplaces and kind of like, ah, oh, was she a witch? 
because back then that was a big no-no kind of a situation. Yeah. And then you kind of got some glimpses of like scary things here and there, but they didn't give you the full story yet at that moment, which I do like it when movies do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at that point, like, uh, Crane ends up talking to Katrina a little bit. Like she admits that his, her mother died and the nurse who took care of her sick mother is now her stepmom. Which I would immediately be like, huh, ears perked kind of a situation. Suspicious. Suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't Don't be suspicious. suspicious. Don't be suspicious. suspicious. (laughs) But she ends up gifting him like a book, like a small book of like witchcraft practices. And she even says, keep it close to your heart. It might save your life. And I was like, foreshadowing. Um, And they kind of have like, you know, a cutesy moment where she's talking about like spells and all that jazz and he shows her like that thing that he always carries around with the optics yes thing with the cardinal and the cage uh which was cute where she's just like oh my god you do know magic teach me and he's just like it's not magic just optics it's science it's you know the whole shebang um nowadays people would call that mansplaining yes that is well in that particular moment no, because it's not witchcraft. It's actually like, okay, like, no, but it depends on the situation. It depends on how condescending you sound. Um, But then at that moment, oh, yeah, because um, he ends up later trying to talk to, oh, my God, there's just too many names that it's hard for me to. The big guy? The big guy. Um, He played, um. Harry's uncle. There's Harry a... Potter. Yeah, there's a... Yeah. I'm like... Magistrate Phillips. Phil. We'll call him Phil. Yes. Um, but yes, because he's trying to say, like, you know, the horseman did it, like, the horseman did all this <laughs> stuff, and it, Crane is just like, there is no horseman. Like, you guys are being ridiculous. There's not just saying it's a ghost. What is that that you're holding? It's my talisman to protect me from the horseman. It's like, Jesus Christ, people. And now, naturally, the wind is picking up. The lightning is going off. And any time we see the horseman, there's lightning involved. And then Crane ends up seeing, for the first time, the horseman coming after Phil. Literally making his head spin on. Yeah. <laughs> Just spinning around and then tumbling to a point where I it would scare the shit out of me. And I'm not even a man. Where the head lands literally in Crane's crotch area. And the horseman comes up with his sword ready to hit. And it stabs the head, which is very close to Crane's crotch. And waltzes off. And Crane's just like, and pass out. Because he does that a lot Mm -hmm. in this movie. You would think someone who wants to perform autopsies wouldn't be so squeamish. Sure. I'm just saying. Um... But yeah, we got another killing, um, but also with this, we get more mom flashbacks with her, like, you know, twirling with her son, who young Ichabod Crane looks kind of creepy. We yes, both agreed. Does. I don't know what it is. I don't, I think it's the shape of his head and his eyes. Uncanny Valley? Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I'll have to look up that kid and may, hopefully he grew into his features. Because, yeah. Yeah. But good for a Tim Burton movie. Um... 
but because we get like that moment of like you know again her like being like kind of a witch figure but then we also start to see where his dad was not too happy and was very upset and like kind of shoved her face to show the marks that she put in the fire that were like signs of witchcraft and started taking her down that obnoxiously brightly white hallway that i would be blinded by um, but at this point, we Crane realizes, oh no, the horseman exists, and he's up in his rooms, and the Van Tassels and everybody like goes up, and he's like, the horseman, the horseman is real, and he's like, yes, I know, we've told you this, and be like, no, 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 you don't understand, he's real, I saw him, yes, we've been trying to tell you that he's real, and he's like, no, 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 you're not listening to me, he's real, I saw him, I saw him, and then he just passes out again, but they're all just like, yes, we've tried to tell you this. Like, we know. But granted, when you're in that situation, you don't believe at first, and then you see it for yourself, and you're absolutely terrified. I can, and you're in shock. I can see that kind of situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because at this point, you know, the older, like, all the leaders, they're basically like, all right, we need to send him back, because now he's, like, kind of gone to the loony bin. But luckily, he ends up, like, finding himself, basically, being like, all right, I can do this. I need to yeah. go find where his, like, where I need to go to figure out this whole situation. And she comes out and he's just like, all right, I need brave men to come with me. And all of them are like, I ain't going. Nah, man. But young Masbeth, he's just like, I'll go. The no. only Masbeth. The only Masbeth, yes. Yes, he's brave enough to go. Which, I lo I'm telling you, I love that little kid. He's so cute. Like I said, he, he knows when to grab the gun. When you go pow, pow, he's good. Exactly, exactly. Unlike that stupid little fuck from Halloween that shot the doctor, remember? The one with the raspy-ass voice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. But, yeah, because they end up going, like, into the forest, and they end up running into the <clears throat> creepy witch in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, because when they're going in, because she invites them into her cottage, like, it's creepy and scary, but who should go in first? The adult with the kid behind him? No. Crane just legit puts the kid in front of him like, it's okay. You got this. You're you're the brave one. And Masbeth is just like, all right, well, I guess I'm going first kind of a situation. But he ends up getting kicked out by the creepy witch anyway. She's like, go on, child. It's fine. Like, don't, don't, if you hear anything, just don't, don't come in. Like, it's all good. And he's just, Crane is just like, what would I, what would he hear that's like, he should not come in for. And she ends up having like, she's doing all this like potion stuff where she, cause she had a dead bird at one point and then she cuts off a poor live bat's head and it made me sad. Yeah. And she hooks herself onto against the wall, which obviously doesn't do shit in a few minutes. And when she's saying her spell and everything, she kind of passes out for a little bit and then kind of in true Tim Burton form, He's very lively and jumps over the table and attacks Crane. And she has, like, her eyes and her tongue going, mm -hmm. Snake tongue. Like an actual snake for a tongue. Yes, exactly. And the eyes bulging out of the head. Again, Tim Burton style. That's kind of just what he does. Um, And she even says, like, you know, you need to um climb down to the horseman's resting place. Like, giving him all the clues of, like, where you need to go to kind of yeah fix this whole shabacle. But after we get out of this situation and they're leaving, they end up running into Katrina because she even said, she was like, well, no one else was going to join you. So, like, I had to come to help you guys, mm -hmm. which love her. She's just like, so brave. Love it. Absolutely. 
Uh, but they end up finding like his resting place, which the creepy the, they're basically looking for like a tree, the tree of death, the tree of death. Which I was like, I think we found it. You know, the large, creepy-looking tree that really stands out from all the other trees. I think that this might be it, and it's a doorway between two worlds. Is what we are told by Crane. Yeah, to the upside down. Yeah, exactly. And I love that scene where he takes the axe and he just kind of starts chopping at the wood of the tree, like the roots, and it ends up starting to spurt blood. And then the more he, like, chops away at it, he finally, it, like, opens up to all of the heads of the victims. And I was just like, I want a tree like that. I think that would be pretty cool looking. I'm pretty sure there is a tree that has red, like, blood red sap. I think there is. I don't think it's in this country. I don't think so, no. No, I don't think so. But that would definitely be cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I did like the look of when we did see... Because, again, we have lightning and thunder and all that jazz. Um, and we do see the horsemen coming out of that hole in the tree where all the heads are kind of piled up. I thought that definitely looked really cool looking. Again, when CGI was still being used, but not for, like, everything, every single little thing. Yeah. Got the good mix of practical and CGI. There's a There's a balance. Um, but that's when he goes after the ginger family, mm-hmm. the midwife and her husband and son, which that scene caused an uproar with people. Oh, boo-hoo. They killed a fucking child. It's fine. Well, not only that, but it's not like you see the kid dying. No, he just gets joined up and then that's it. And, and then you're just like, okay, he puts another head into a bag that already has two heads. So kind of figure that out yourself. And because Tim Burton even said with that scene was that, you know... When it comes to a killer, they don't care. Like, they're just... Yeah. No one's safe. So, like, um, yeah, the kids, just because he's a kid doesn't mean that he gets, you know, a free pass kind of a situation. But I did like the scene, that whole, like, scenario that happened where the horseman is fighting uh, the husband. Yes. And, you know, he gets his head chopped off. And the wife is hiding, trying to hide her son in the floorboards. And I love the horseman going in because earlier the kid had put like candles on with this light fixture that spins and you see like witches, cats, like, um, dragon, dragon. Yeah. Against the wall. And those things are cool looking. Like they really Mm -hmm. are. You just see them like kind of floating around the room. And I love that whole scene of the horseman coming in and the wife kind of going to the corner and like bracing herself. And you see like the shadow of the horseman and just, her face, only every time, like, one of the lights passes by her. I thought that that scene was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even said, at least with the chopping off the head, it's a quick death. Like, it's not painful. Yeah, that's why it cauterizes everything, too. Yeah, exactly. It's just very quick, smooth, to the point. Like, at least if you're going to die, go that way. But yeah, the horseman is about to leave when suddenly he realizes the kid didn't even make a noise. Like, the horseman just knew. He turned and he just started, like, chomping at the wood of the floors and pulls the, yanks the kid up. But again, you don't see the kid dying. It's not like foreign horror films where you see everything. Oh my yeah. god, some foreign horror films, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, okay. But, whatever. But at this moment, Brom is trying to look like the tough guy because he keeps, like, shooting and attacking this horseman. That's clearly not going down because he's already dead. I don't understand. I'm like, people, stop wasting your bullets at this point and stop wasting your time. Because this guy clearly just keeps 
going after the horseman, even when Crane comes in the picture and tells him, like, dude, he's not after you. Like, leave him alone. Like, yeah. at this point, you're just going to piss him off and get in his way kind of a situation. But Bram has to be the tough guy because, you know, he's Katrina's boyfriend. So he's just like, I must save the day. Although he did um, end up breaking his fingers with the scene where the three of them were fighting each other. But he didn't say anything because he didn't want his part cut short. <laughs> I'm like, I can respect that. But also what I thought was cool was that um, Ray Park, who is Darth Maul yes. in Star Wars Episode One, um, he actually was the um, fighting and stunt double for the Headless Horseman. So that was him. Nice. Part of that fight scene. I know. It's just like, oh, nice. Because I love him. He's so talented. He's just so talented. But yeah. Because um, it ends up being the fight between Horseman, Brahm, and Ichabod. And... It ends up with... Do you think Ichabod gets killed because he gets stabbed in the chest? Right. And he, like, legit stabs him and then uses his sword to, like, fling him over his shoulder and, like, yeah, across the ground. And the horseman ends up fighting Brom and getting his body chopped in half. Brom, not the horseman. Bifurcated. Yes. But again, he did that to himself. The yes, horseman was ready to just walk away from him, but he kept pushing his buttons. And he's just like, oh my god, I've had enough. You're getting on my nerves. <laughs> Which I'm telling you, you stupid dog. But luckily he actually didn't die. Um, because even the doctor pointed out when Crane was passed out that like the wound was already healing. There was no like sign of infection. Like... It was all good. Yeah. Kind of situation. And I'm assuming it was basically like the sword like cauterizing the wound. I don't remember if they ever actually explained it. It was Hell's Fire. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but we end up getting the full flashback of his mom where basically um, the his dad took her to like the torture chamber and put her into that Iron Maiden. Yes, thank you. I was just like, what is that called again? And, you know, she's dead because she got all these spikes through her yeah. face and stuff. Because you kept seeing, like, little bits of flashbacks of, like, where the eye holes are, where you can see the eyes and they're wide and blood on, like, the eyebrows and stuff. But I did really like when Ichabod, like, first sees his dad coming out of that torture chamber and he's in that white room. Room. Looks like a chapel. Yes, thank you. I was just like, what is the word? And I, because you see the front of dad coming down the hallway and then he passes by and then you see the back of him walking down to the door and it looks like he's headless with the way that his like cowl is lifted up. I was like, I love that. So cool. And then the kid goes in and sees his mom, sees his mom and he backs up and he accidentally like slams his hands down on like the sharp pecs of the chair. And that's how he has all the pokey scars on his hands Mm -hmm. that change every scene exactly and she like kind of falls like the door opens you see like whoosh of blood kind of like with uh, the elevator scene in the shining Mm -hmm. and her body just kind of going halfway like which yeah i'm not gonna lie that part kind of freaked me out when i was a kid when i first saw this movie just that one stuck with me and i don't know why Hmm. I don't know why. Like, it, not that it, like, scared me, scared me, but, like, that scene itself of her, like, kind of halfway toppling out of that torture device, Iron Maiden, was what stuck with me when I was a kid. I don't know what it was. 
It was the ancestry. Was it my like inner witch like like being terrified? Is that what it was? Where it's just like, oh my god, the crazy Christians that killed my people. It could be. It could have been. I don't know. It's very possible. Um. Yes, because then at that point he wakes up and tell because Katrina is at his bedside and she he tells her like. You know, my mom was a good person. Like, you know, she was like, you know, a woman of nature and my dad killed her because of practicing witchcraft. Um, kind of told her like the whole shebang. Um, and you know, they're having like their cutesy moment of he saying like, oh, like, you know, I felt things when you first kissed me and oh no, why am I talking of kisses when your beloved Bram, Bram died, however the pronoun, fuck you pronounce it. And she's like, I've, I've shed my tears for Bram and yet my heart is not broken. Does that make me wicked? Am I bad? And I'm like, not really, because at the end of the day, he was a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Like, he was an idiot. I think you're fine. He was just purely for show kind of a situation. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that was, like, more so of a arranged marriage type thing. Right. Kind of just, like, it's what you're supposed to do to, like, keep the family rich kind of a situation. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, like, maybe she kind of cared for him because she's known him probably since they were, like, kids. But at the end of the day, she's not, he's not who what she wanted. Um, and they have their moment of, like, you have bewitched me. Like, you know, being all lovey-dovey and cutesy-fartsy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we get to the point, the part where he's kind of starting to figure stuff out. Um, not completely. Not completely. Like, he's kind of piecing some things together, and he ends up going to question Hardenbrook, who is the notarizer person he like focuses on all like the wills and yeah like wills testimonies like marriage certificates the whole shebang and (laughs) kind of starting to accuse like the higher ups to hardenbrook about everything going on which actually um oh god what's his name again michael go who played um The notary? Well, yeah, but that's not... Alfred! Oh, right. Alfred. Oh, my God. Oh, that was that was about to be bad. Um, in the Batman movies, um, the specifically Michael Keaton's ones, and also the uh, ones, Bat Nipples. Yeah, he was in the Val Kilmer one and the um, Clooney. Yeah, those, those two. Um, he actually came out of retirement to play this role. Oh, shit. Which I thought was cool. I was just like, oh, that's that's cool. May he rest in peace. Um, but yeah, like, he's just kind of just like, because they notice when they get there that, oh, God, this is where all the names get start to get, like, mixed up, because there's just so many. Because the widow who was pregnant married one of the rich families. And the pregnancy of the kid had to remain a secret of like who the father was kind of a situation and it kind of just basically was like spiraling from there just basically like yeah this whole twist and turns and like he was starting to think that um van tassel senior basically katrina's dad um was the one who like started all this kind of a situation which no but you're you're getting there you're inching closer kind of a situation but we all have bumps in the roads kind of a situation um but then when he's, like, learning all this, um, 
he kind of keeps the papers and Katrina even sees him like putting the papers away. Mm-hmm. So she already like is starting to be suspicious of what's going on and he's trying to protect her, but also like be think- cautious of her too. Exactly. And also just kind of thinking of this as like a detective and not trying to get like his like full like heart into it. Like he's trying to use his brain, not his heart kind of a situation. Um, but they end up finding underneath his bed the evil eye and young Masbeth. Masbeth, thank you. I was like, I've said his name like 50,000 times. The only Masbeth. The only Masbeth. We should just continue that at this point. Yeah. Um, but he's like, someone is trying to set a curse on you. And I'm like, the evil eye is not bad. It's to protect you against evil. That's the whole point. Like, Jesus Christ, people. How many times do we have to have this conversation? Too many? Okay. But with that really cute fuzzy spider, because I like spiders. I don't care what people say. Um... That was actually devised, like, on the spot. Apparently, um, someone said it. didn't actually say who. I'm assuming Burton. We always seem to have spiders and bugs on the set, although I don't quite remember why. But every day, there was a guy there with bugs. So one day, we just decided to use some. So the one spider, he was just like, all right, hey, why not? We'll just add to the scene. But it ended up working because Ichabod was, like, absolutely terrified of the spider. He's like, kill it, kill it, kill it. But that's how they pull the bed over and they find the evil eye. Um, but then at this point, like, you know, Ichabod is trying to figure everything out and he's like going into the woods and he finds Lady Van Tassel getting it on in the woods. Yep. Which. She cuts her hand open. Yes. Which, hey, some people are into that, man. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, and at that point, you don't know who it is that she's getting it on with. You just see the back of him at that moment. And you even think, like, when she's, like, lifting up the knife that she's about to stab, like, you know, her lover. But, you know, she cuts her own own hand and, like, rubs it against his back. And Crane is just like, I'm just going to walk away. Okay. Yep. I saw nothing. Um, But he ends up, when he comes back, Katrina burning the evidence that Crane has against her father. And she's mad. And he's trying to explain the whole situation that I just said of, like, I'm trying to look at this logically. Like, I don't want it to be your dad, but I have to look at all the obstacles and not just use my heart kind of a situation. And later when he ends up running into Lady Van Tassel in the kitchen, she's has a cut on her hand and she's like, I know you saw me. I know you saw me in the woods and you must never tell my husband. You got that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Done. Keeping it a secret. Not because it's suspicious or anything. Yeah, no, not at all. Like, although she can easily probably say like, I don't want my husband to know I'm cheating on him. But, you know, the whole situation just seemed very, uh, sus to me. But we find out because, um, Van Tassel comes in, Katrina's dad, as says that Hardenbrook has hung himself, the notary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, like, a me- there's going to be a meeting at the church, like, a town meeting of, like, basically, uh, Crane to basically try to get him out, which I don't understand why. Like, it's, these things started before Crane kind of came along. He's trying to help. I feel like it's because he's getting closer to the truth. That, yeah, that's probably it, actually. Um. And we cut to Lady Van Tassel picking flowers because it's supposed to help her, the cut on her hand. Mm-hmm. And Hubby is saying, like, all right, we need to go. Like, the bell started ringing for the meeting to start, and... 
He then sees the headless horseman slowly coming up on his horse with his sword drawn, sword drawn. And at that point, he just runs. We don't actually see at that moment the head chopping of Lady Van Tassel. So when he goes but to... But this claimed it yeah, happened. Yes, because when he comes up, he runs to Katrina and goes, The horseman killed your stepmother! And I'm like, did he though? We didn't see it happen. I'm just saying. But this is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie is the church scene. The mm-hmm. whole situation is just like adrenaline rushed, pent up, like, oh my god, a lot of shit is happening at once. Um, and it, things just get really high, like everybody's trying to go into the church, and Crane is, of course, the one who realizes that the horseman can't actually get onto the church grounds. But no one's listening to him. Everyone's shooting at this thing through the window, even though, again, it's very obvious that this dude is not going to be brought down by just a bunch of bullets. He's already dead. Unless you dip the bullets in holy water. Right? And even that probably wouldn't really do much. Um, but even um, the Reverend P like grabs onto Van Tassel and he's just like, You're the one that the horseman wants. You're the one that brought this on yourself. And Van Tassel even like grabs the gun and he's just like, Next person that tries to attack me will get a bullet. And the doctor is trying to be like, Alright, look. like We need to get things out in the open. Like, you know, this has gone on too far. Like, there are secrets that you don't know. And the Reverend himself takes a wooden cross and just slams his head down, slams it down on the doctor's head and kills him with such a blunt force. And so Van Tassel shoots the Reverend. And so you got those two guys dead. And the Van Tassel going up the stairs and basically, there's a conspiracy here and I will seek it out. Meanwhile, no one notices the fact that the horseman has grabbed a rope and has grabbed a piece of the very sharp fence and kind of tied the rope around it and then just chucks it through the window, stabs Van Tassel into the back through the chest. And he's like, Katrina screams. And Van Tassel's just kind of looking down with a look on his face and gets Mm. yanked through the window and again, I just love this scene so much of the horseman just running with him still attached to that post. And it gets to the point where Van Tassel's head goes like through the gate. So he's no longer, his head is no longer on the property. So horseman just comes back and slices and takes the head. I love that scene so much. As it should be. It's so good. and so clever. And honestly, not really surprised at all. Uh, Sir Michael Gambon, who played Van Tassel, Dumbledore, may he rest in peace, he wanted to keep his severed head and send it via proxy to interviews and dinner parties as a joke. Uh, Again, as it should be. I've never met this man, and yet I can just sense that he would do shit like that. And I'm not surprised at all in the slightest. And I would do the exact same thing. I wonder if he ended up actually able to do it, because all it said is that he wanted to do it, so probably not. But that would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Like Willem Dafoe's head in the Northman. I still want that, by the way. I could probably find it somewhere nowadays. But I also liked the scene at the end of this whole shebang when, because Katrina and Crane are both looking out the window, like watching this happen, and Katrina just collapses and passes out. And I like the scene of where the camera like pans, starting with Katrina with the pink chalk in mm-hmm. her hand. Um, 
and it pans down to the reverend and the doctor, both dead, and then goes to the evil eye in the pink chalk that Katrina was holding. So mm-hmm. it turned out that she was the one doing the evil eye there and also at Ichabod Crane's room. So he kind of pieced together that she was doing this um, at the time, thinking that someone was putting a curse on him because he didn't read the book that she gave him. <laughs> that He could have picked up this entire time. I'm just saying. <laughs> that saved him twice. Exactly. But at this moment, he's just like, all right, I give up. I'm leaving. Like, there's nothing. I think it's done. There's no more that I can do kind of a situation. Um, but when he's leaving, he noticed that they're pulling out a dead body that he can kind of see the cut on the hands of like, oh, that's Lady Van Tassel. And he's kind of just like, wait a second, pulls out the book. Then he sees that the evil eye that was being drawn everywhere was a protection spell for a loved one, like to protect them. You know, you got that a while ago, dude. Like you could have looked that up this entire time. I'm just saying. Um, But he tells the carriage driver to turn around because he has to go back. And when he goes back to see the body of Van Tassel, Lady Van Tassel, quote unquote, he looks at the cut on her hand and realizes this was done after death, not before. Exactly. Like there's no signs of healing. There's no blood flow, like no clotting. Like this cut was made after she was dead. And (coughs) it pans after that. It goes back to like Katrina, like crying, looking out the window and turning around and seeing Lady Van Tassel walking into the room going, my dear, it looks like you've seen a ghost. Which I love that, like, black dress that she's wearing. It's, like, white under the bottom and then, like, I don't know how to describe it because I don't know fashion. I'm not going to lie. But I just love that dress that she's wearing. It looks so good. Um, But she ends up taking her to her lair, which is the windmill. Mm-hmm. Um, And she t- basically tells her, like, the whole shebang. And also because earlier in the movie um, you saw, like, this hearth that Katrina and Crane go to where there's like a carving of an archer in mm. the stone and Fantassel says my family name is Archer that was my my family's crest or whatever drawing that you ran into there and she basically says the whole thing about like when my father died the landlord evicted me my sister and my mom mm-hmm. um even though my dad gave years of his service to this landlord, he was just basically kicked us out like we were nothing. Um, and then we As were... usual. Yeah, exactly. And we were ignored because my mother was accused of witchcraft, which, yeah, she did. But she also taught us some things along the way, kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and when her mom died, it was just her and her sister, which they were the two little girls that ran into the Headless Horseman before he died. And she was the one who broke the stick, which is Savage Girl. But that was the day she sold herself to Satan with uh, revenge, swearing revenge on the people who did her wrong, which it was the Van Garretts who evicted them. Oh, my God. All these names. It's just. Um, But she even says, like, everything that happened, like, basically connecting the dots of, like, this is why this person was killed. Um, Like, you know, the woman who got married and got pregnant money mm-hmm. would have gone to her um the midwife and her husband like knew everything that was going on so they had to go um but then you know my sister she also died she had to go like 
very recently. Mm-hmm. And Katrina's like, you killed your own sister. And she's like, well, yes, because she was trying to foil my plans by helping you and your master turning around, going to the young Masbeth, Masbeth, Masbeth. The only Masbeth. Exactly. And this whole, oh, and also the dead body that she was pretending to be her was the poor serving girl who mm-hmm. was getting it on with the doctor. Oh, and also we found out that the guy she was having giggity with in the woods was the reverend. Oh my goodness gracious. Like this woman had her, she, she was busy. Oh yeah. I was like, I don't have the energy to do all this. I'm just like, wow, you must be angry. Cause I'm, I no, I would not be able to keep track of all this. My head would be spinning. Oh, but yeah, it all ends up becoming like this huge chase. And luckily crane, uh, comes around to save the day, help save the day. I did like, because she called up to the horseman again to come after Katrina. And I did like the scene where they're all starting to run into the windmill and she just flat out goes, watch your head. Yep. Which was ad libbed. <laughs> she threw that line in there and I love those moments. Nice. It's It was funny. She was funny. Like I loved, I love her as an actress in general, but I definitely liked her in this role a lot. Um, but they end up setting the windmill on fire and it all collapses on top of the horseman. But fin- someone finally said it. The young Masbeth. The only Masbeth. Asked, is he dead? And Crane's like, well, that's the problem. He was already dead to begin with. And I'm like, thank you. Someone finally pointed that out. Because Jesus Christ, that was getting annoying. So the horseman ends up, you know, just walking out like nothing just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but we end up getting a cool chase scene of the horses running with the carriage. Them fighting on top of the carriage. Poor Crane being dragged around in all the sticks and leaves and stuff on the carriage, which you pointed his twig, out. Yeah, his twig and giggleberries got fucked up by some branches. Exactly. Which, ow. But that whole sight scene, I felt, was really well done. Yeah. Like, I can't even explain just, like, everything that had happened. But, of course, it was Ray Park who was involved in that. That beautiful, talented man. They start off on like on top of the carriage and on the side of the carriage, behind the carriage, back on the carriage. Then they jumped off the carriage, and then they broke apart the carriage. Yes, and then he got onto that part of the carriage while the other carriage went exactly on top of the horseman. But Johnny Depp actually did all of his own stunts for that scene where he was dragged by the horse. Um, he had a bullet. He had bulletproof clothing underneath his wardrobe. So Johnny Depp's Gohanes, they were safe. His twig and, twig and giggleberries were good. Exactly, they were fine. Now, Ichabod Crane, they were probably that poor man. Um, But yes, because at that moment, they run back into, by the tree, to uh, Lady Van Tassel, Archer. And I don't know what it is, but this one scene, but when Crane, Ichabod tells Katrina to run, she pull, like Lady Van Tassel pulls out the gun and she's like, yes, run and jump and skip. I don't know what I like about those that line so much, but I just do. I think it might just be her because she's so talented and beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah. okay. But she ends up because Crane moves, she shoots him in the chest, mm-hmm. and Young Masbeth, the only Masbeth, is like, oh my god, no, he's dead. And when Katrina tries to go see him, Lady Van Tassel grabs her by the hair, and it's just like, here you go, 
take her. She's here. She's yours. And the horseman is coming up slowly Mm -hmm. to get Katrina. But luckily, the young Masbeth. The only Masbeth. (laughs) Realizes that Ichabod did not die somehow after getting shot in the chest. And it becomes this whole wrestle match of Ichabod and Lady Van Tassel trying to go after the skull of the horseman because he realizes if he can get his skull back to the horseman, we'll be good. He won't be after Katrina anymore because at the end of the day, he just wants his head back. Yeah. Which understandably so. Um, But she ends up able to, as the horseman is menacingly walking up to Katrina, he gets, uh, Ichabod gets the skull and throws it and just... He's like, horseman! And horseman looks, you know, looks well, when he Don't forget who, who whacked her on the head with that giant stump. Was it young Masbeth? The only Masbeth. <laughs> because he's awesome, and I love that kid. Um, And he's just like, horseman! And horseman, you know, looks with how you can without having, like, eyes. Mm-hmm. And Ichabod throws him the skull, and he just, like, so swiftly catches it and kind of puts it back on. And again... Tim Burton-esque, you have the muscles and veins pulling up, and, like, yeah. him going, Rah! and then the tongue and the eyes blurge out. Again, Tim Burton style. And we get the lovely Christopher Walken's face back. Where he repeats his lines. Ah! <laughs> 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 um, but he ends up grabbing Lady Van Tassel, and... Because, you know, he's got his skull back, and he probably, at the end of the day, was not happy about being used by this woman. And also, she sold her soul. So, hey, I got my head back, so now this deal is done. You're coming with me. And he, full-on, when she's about to scream, kisses her on the mouth, and with his sharp teeth, bites around her lips. And then he takes her with his steed, and runs to the tree, and goes through the hole... And you can hear her screaming as the tree kind of closes around her. And then you just see her hand sticking out and gently curling in. Yep. To which Ichabod Crane passes out again. Because that was scary. Oh. But everything is all done. They end up getting wrapped up. Uh Uh-huh. They hop into the carriage and they're going to where everything is light and colorful and beautiful true fall like esque where the sun is shining on the change of color leaves and they end up going back to Ichabod Crane's home in New York City where the snow is falling everyone's happy Katrina is wearing a Beetlejuice esque dress which I did also love that dress I'm not gonna lie I was thinking more by the sea mm. by the sea Mr. Todd I want to do love and by the sea Mr. sorry um, but yes that too um, but, you know, it's all happily ever after, and they're on their way home. And also, the young Masbeth. The only Masbeth. Yes. Is with them, and they're going to have a happy little family. In the end. Yes. Yes. It's almost like um, a happier ending to Sweeney Todd. Yeah, basically, actually, you are kind of, you are right there, right on the money there. Yeah. But I, I've always loved this movie. Um, It was one of those movies that Jimmy showed me and he's just like, I think you would really like this, especially since you're obsessed with the whole like Headless Horseman story, you read it all the time. So you should watch this movie. And then I watched it. I was just like, you are correct, sir. I love this movie. It is so good. I just, 
I don't think there was many negative things about this movie. I'm not going to lie to you. The acting was great. The writing was clever. I think at the most, maybe, and that's like a very maybe, maybe, whatever accent Christina Ritchie was trying to do. That's fair. That's fair. Because, like, at the end of the day, a lot of people, Americans get dragged for trying to do British accents because they just can't do it well. And obviously the people who are correct in making fun of us for not being able to do it are British people who, you know, have spoken with that accent for their whole lives. Mm. So that's that's definitely fair. But uh, some last minute facts I have. Not last minute, last of. Um... Historically, Ichabod Crane was a very unattractive man. Depp had offered to add prosthetics to his face to make himself look ugly, but Burton wanted to base the character of Crane on Crane's more unattractive personality traits, like the fact of him being so like squeamish and terrified of everything, mm-hmm. even though he wants to do autopsies. I'm just saying it just makes no sense, but it's fine. It makes it funny. Um, yeah, I said Miranda Richardson, watch your head was ad-libbed, because, yes. Uh, the exteriors were shot with a blue filter for, so for the blood, um, to appear red, the liquid they used had to be a bright orange. Which would make sense. Uh, the, this is the first adaptation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow that doesn't involve the actor playing the headless horseman, like having to conceal his head in the cloak. Um, the head of the actor was covered with a blue mask that was deleted by means of computer graphics. The collar was also created with CGI to match the flow of the robe. Again, a way to use CGI, but not completely relying on it. To enhance, not to replace. Exactly. We will probably say that every single time. Uh, the town of Sleepy Hollow was created from the ground up in, in three months. At the time of filming, it was the largest set built in England and was put up in record time. Uh, Winona Ryder was offered the role of Katrina Van Tassel, but turned it down. Makes sense, because that was not too long after her and Johnny Depp broke up, and that would probably be awkward. And also, the woman who played, like, young Ichabod Crane's mother was Johnny Depp's girlfriend at the time. That would have been really awkward. Yeah. Uh, the final chase scene sequence on the coach in the Western Wood took three weeks to film. And the last thing I have is Liam Neeson, Brad Pitt, and Daniel Day-Lewis were all considered for the role of Ichabod Crane. Hmm. I'm glad that they went with Johnny Depp. Yeah. Not that I'm being biased, but I just, I can't see anybody else. Especially not Liam Neeson. No. Not with that role, because he's always kind of been more like the toughish guy. Or like the, I don't know. Because even in the movie um, Haunted Haunted Hell House, Haunting of Hell House, The Haunting, the remake of The Haunting mm-hmm. that was based off the Haunting of Hell House book, because he was like, he played the psychologist, but he wasn't like a wimp or scary cat or anything like that. He was just like... Alright, this is a little scary, but we can do this. It's fine. We can deal with this kind of situation. And I can't see him being, like, the squeamish type or anything like that. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Yeah. More. I could see more so. But again, just Johnny Depp. And it might be the fact that I've just seen this movie, like, a million times. It's always very possible. Yeah. I grew up loving the haunting, the Sleepy Hollow story. And also, I love this movie. Um, Even the Disney one. 
Even the Disney one, yes. It's enjoyable. It is. It really is. And it just, I felt like all the actors in this movie had great chemistry. There were so many, like, funny lines that were just, like, in passing, just, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Like, it wasn't kind of a situation where things were, like, shoved in your face. It was a, it was a great mix of, and a perfect example of horror and comedy being hand in hand and just working well together. I, I just know, I, oh, God, that my rating here is going to be very tough. I don't know, you go first. Your thoughts. Alright, um, I'm going to give this movie, I'll give it a solid 4.2 out of 5, um, Mazbeths, the only Mazbeths. <laughs> love it. Um, no, I just love the aesthetics of this movie, and, like, there's something about, like, that, that time era that I love. Along with the story of Sleepy Hollow, which, like, so my first introduction wasn't this. It was it was the Disney one. Right. Then I read the book. Or the short story. What is it? It's considered a novella. I'm pretty sure. Or is it a short story? I don't remember. One of those. It's it, not like a full book. Like, yeah, it's yeah. either a short story or a novella. Where, like, short story is very quick to the point. Novella is kind of in between a short story and a novel. And then, you know, you have full-fledged novel. Mm-hmm. You know, I read that relatively early on. I don't remember. It's like one of those few books that I actually did read. Then I finally saw this. And I was like, whoa. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it has like a special place. Mm-hmm. Right in my, my little black heart. <laughs> yes. A little headless heart. I would probably give this a, a four and a half... Black Steeds. The only Black Steeds. <laughs> yes. Out of five. Um, the same as you. It has a special place in my heart. Um, the aesthetics were just great. I love the chemistry of everybody and the actors. Um, the writing was just very clever and well put together. And it just, it does have a special place in my heart. And, you know, I read the story first, then the Disney version. And then I saw this. I was just like, yes, absolutely. But yeah. There's just something about it. And then Christopher Walken, even though he really didn't say much. He said, ah, ah, and shh. Uh, yeah. And just Ray Park. Just like, I could tell that, you know, it's like not Christopher Walken. Cause I'm sure like Christopher Walken was also involved in the headless part. Mm -hmm. Just maybe not like the hardcore fight scenes. And it just, Ray Park is just so talented and I love him. I think he's also my height. He might be. I don't think he's that tall. Yeah, I think he's like 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, which Chris or Walken is not. No. I mean, that's the great thing about like camera work and camera yeah. angles. You can kind of like finagle away to make sure. And just make sure you never they're never seen like next to each other. <laughs> and then exactly. one will know. No one will question it. Um, But yes, that was our talk on Sleepy Hollow uh, by Tim Burton. And our next episode, I had realized that the time that our next episode is going to be released is the same day that Agent Argyle, Jesus fucking Christ, is being released in theaters. And the director of Argyle is the same director as Kingsman, so we are going to do Kingsman as our next episode. Yeah. 
I will say right now, I love that movie a lot more than I thought I would when I first saw it. Freebird. I was so shocked with how much I love this movie. So I am excited to talk about this movie. Freebird. Yes. I'm also excited to see this movie because it's been a hot minute. Freebird. <laughs> it's like Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Uh, but thank you for listening to us. Um, hope you do us all a favor and, you know, give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell that creepy witch that is stealing skulls from graves to perform rituals. Mm-hmm. Tell your butcher. Tell your barber. And don't forget to tell Mazbeth. The, the only. Mas- <laughs> Mazbeth. <laughs> the only. And uh, I'll see you or talk to you next time on Lizard and Panda Take on Cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye.